Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Nick's World of Sports. My name's Nick Sapola. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we're back in Studio 38. It's a Monday, Monday, December 5th, the year of our Lord 2022. Monday episode. What? I never expected to do a Monday episode, but there's a lot of news going on in the baseball world, and we're going to talk about that before we get into it. Um, just wanted to talk a little bit about, I guess, an upload schedule for the next week. So my plan going forward was going to be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, kind of like a preview for Thursday night football plus some baseball talk on Thursdays. Tuesdays would be football exclusive, and then Saturdays would be like a state of the, I guess, a state of the week or state of the union type thing. But you know, there's some big news that broke today, and uh, we got to talk about it. First, if you watched some football games yesterday, some exciting, exciting games. We had the Jets and I think it was the Vikings. Yep, Jets and Vikings had a nice game. Um, the Giants game, that was a little bit of anticlimactic finish against the Commanders. We also had my Cowboys beat up on the Colts in primetime, which probably could have been a 1 o'clock game, to be honest. I didn't understand why that game was still in primetime. I feel bad for Matt Ryan, but enough football. Enough football. I know it's exciting, but there's still a Monday night game tonight to watch. We'll talk about, like, I guess, you know, maybe some picks going forward with that one towards the end of the podcast. But we got to talk about baseball. The winter meetings are coming up. There is something I want to add before we dive into our first context or our first little bit of baseball news. I wanted to give a apology to some of my viewers out there. I made a mistake recently, and I wish I could take it back, but I can't. And I'm usually someone who prides himself on facts and considers myself a man of faith as Cassianos hits a drive in deep left field to make it a 4 nothing game. Um, I recently said the Mets declined Cookie Carrasco's option, but I did not realize that they picked it up. I had in my notes, I, I had it written down that they declined it. It might have been something I had in my free agent predictions and I just didn't jot that down or it might have just flown over my head and I just assumed like a dumbass, but... You know, I'm sorry I provided some false information that they declined Carrasco. The Mets do have Carrasco. The Mets also made another big addition to their team today. News broke around, I want to say noonish, 11.30, that uh, the Mets signed Justin Verlander to a two-year deal worth 43 per year so 86 million dollars for two years a team option for or whatever mutual option for a third year at 35 million dollars there's a lot to be taken in here by this i first want to formally apologize to steve cohen as well i made a mistake saying that uh he just throws money aimlessly this is actually a signing that makes somewhat sense to the mets because now you pair verlander back together with scherzer two alter ultra-competitive aces who were teammates for a while in Detroit. I think that uh, it's a bit of a risk, this contract, and it just makes me a little more confused with the Mets roster construction because we'll talk about the Mets. We'll talk about the effects it has on the cheating Astros and the effects on the market now. I do think Verlander was worth a lot of money considering he's 40 and I know he's 
somewhat viewed as the Tom Brady of baseball, even though I still think Nolan Ryan technically is the Tom Brady of baseball because he pitched 27 years and pitched till he was almost 50. Like, he was on the 69 Mets, and I believe he pitched in – I think he almost pitched in the 90s, Nolan Ryan. He might have went into the late 80s, early 90s. But he was in his 40s still being very productive, Nolan Ryan. But I just don't understand what the Mets are doing with this contract situation. So, I mean, again, Cohen, he kind of does whatever he wants. He pays whoever he wants. And they like the short-term deal better for a guy like DeGrom. And they're like, you know, if we're not going to get it with DeGrom, we're going to go get it with Justin Verlander. I think the Mets are now done with the top-tier pitchers come free agency because they're not going to be able to legitimately – I mean, I know Steve Cohen's got more money than anyone in baseball. He's super wealthy, something my brother – who I talk, I was talking with today, he was one of the first people I got a reaction from. He said, Steve Cohen will spend whatever he wants. He spent $141 million on a Giacometti, uh, excuse me if I butchered that, a Giacometti piece of art, which is basically just a stick figure statue. So he spent $141 million on it. I'm like, okay, but that's not the point here. We're talking about a team. You got to feel the team, staff, coaches, whatever. I genuinely believe that this signing might blow up in the Mets' face just because of one reason, his age. Verlander is forty years is going to be 40 years old. By the end of the deal, he'll be 43. Verlander is just had a Cy Young year, don't get me wrong, but he had a Tommy John surgery not too long ago. He's getting older. Scherzer's old, too, and Scherzer was dealing with some injury issues this year, and he's been dealing with injury issues since he got traded to the Dodgers two years ago now. I'm just a little concerned with the Mets' roster construction because you didn't want to pay DeGrom 37 per for five years, which I understood because DeGrom's had the injury issues, but DeGrom's 34 years old, and he's got a lot of baseball left in that arm. Not like you know, another 10 years worth of DeGrom baseball. He might be breaking down by the end of that contract due to injury concerns. But a guy like Verlander is 40 years old. You're paying $43 million for it. I just don't get it, personally. I like Cohen's aggressiveness. I like the idea of going to get a guy like a Verlander. But I would have preferred them to just, at that point, just keep DeGrom for that money. Or go get Rodon for less. I think the Mets are out on Rodon now because they got Verlander. And I'm surprised that they're bringing Verlander to Queens, too. Because of all places Verlander wants to could have played, bigger markets, better teams. And not necessarily better teams, but bigger markets. He picked one of the worst markets in the state of New York, which is Queens, New York. It's not like he's going to play, you know, in Manhattan or the Bronx. Or, like, he's not playing in a Miami or a Los Angeles. I thought for sure when he started talking to the Dodgers, he was a Dodger. But late last night, there was some rumblings that, he would be a Met, and that they were finalizing a deal. I thought the Dodgers would have struck back, but I think the third year, according to Jack Curry, it seemed like that third-year option seemed to you know, be the thing that put the Mets over the top. I do want to apologize to Cohen, though, because I said he, was, he doesn't know what he's doing, basically, and I said that he is a bit of a dumbass. Um, he did his homework on Verlander, and he knew what it took to get him, so he paid what it's going to take. I just didn't understand not paying uh, DeGrom now or going out and paying a Rodon who's younger. I believe Rodon's 29 or 28. I can get fact-checked real quick. 
Uh, Carlos Rodon, age 29 years old. He turns 30 on December 10th. So, I mean, I guess that's a little different, though, Rodon, because he's not on the level ever, or he's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, like, at least yet, like a Verlander or a Scherzer. I, I get what Cohen's trying to do, and he wants to win. But I don't think going to pay a 40-year-old $43 million a year is going to necessarily get the job done. That's not going to hand you a World Series. Like, another thing the Mets really desperately need is bats. And I've been reading some reports, too, now. I got a little into it more this morning that the Mets were... I knew the Mets were in on Reynolds, but the Mets have been in talks with Andrew Benintendi because it seems now the Mets... Now, especially after the Verlander deal, it seems like the Mets are out on Brandon Nimmo. I would be shocked if the Mets paid Nimmo what he wanted to stay in Queens. I think Nimmo's gone. I feel like the Rockies probably have a little more money to spend on him, and the Mets are probably a little more cautious. Because, I mean, Steve Cohen has thrown some money aimlessly. Please see, like, Marcana or, like, Eduardo Escobar. Like, he's thrown money at guys who probably don't deserve big contracts like that or probably overpaid for some of those guys. So I think he's a little nervous to break the bank on Nimmo because it's not a sure thing. Like a, I guess, a Verlander if he paid to Grom. But the Mets need some bats desperately. So Benintendi's a nice buy-low candidate for them. I think Benintendi, if the Yankees bring back Judge, then let's say they pull a trigger on a Reynolds trade. I think Benintendi won't be in the Bronx next year. There's other talks, too, with the Mets that they really liked Jamison Tyone, and they also really liked, what's his name, uh, Chris Bassett to come back. I do think the Mets will probably bring Bassett back now. Just because, you know, you're paying for Verlander, and Bassett, you, he's familiar. I don't think they'll go grab Jamison Tyone, just because I think Tyone will probably, if he's not going to play in the Bronx, he might want to look elsewhere, like a, I, don't know, I can see a Twins being a fit, or an Angels. I had down in my predictions for Tyone to take a one-year deal, but the market's very big. I think the Yankees are regretting not extending a qualifying offer to Tyone a bit. But Jamison Tyone's market's getting big. I had written down for Tyone for a one-year $17 million with the Angels. If the Yankees got Rodon, if not, same deal with the Yankees. Like The best pitchers available outside of Rodon is getting a little more suspect. I hate to say more suspect because I really like Tyone and Bassett. But outside of uh, Rodon, it's Bassett. Um, that's still available. Syndergaard. Wainwright's technically still available, but I think he's retiring. Tyone. Sean Mania, This is where it gets really sketchy. Nathan Avaldi, Corey Kluber. Zach Granke. David Price, if he's... I don't even think he'll start. Uh, that's really it. I know there was talks of Granke returning to the Royals again. There are some talks. It seems like there's mutual interest, but I really don't know what the market for Zach Granke will be besides the Royals. I don't think he's going to be moving on. Just a lot of stuff coming out of these uh, 
winter meetings. Like that was the first big move of the winter meetings. This is a very exciting time. For those of you who don't know what this is, this is basically the week where everyone and everything that could happen will happen. Like all the big names seem to sign during the winter meetings. It's like all the uh, teams meet in a certain location or a set location for a while and deals are made. They work on new rules about now with the, uh, what happened last year with the lockout, a collective bargaining agreement. It's going to be a lot of interesting stuff. I think some big trades are going to happen. This morning I was listening to a couple of Talking Yanks episodes. I was a few behind. I'm still behind on Talking Baseball. i got to wa- listen to a few more. But I was listening to some stuff being said, some stuff being talked about. I think a lot of teams are going to be very active with trades. I, I read something in Athletic, too, saying that they don't think it's going to be a big offseason like with trades and crazy stuff like last year. But, I mean, some of the craziest stuff's already happened. Like DeGrom to the Rangers? Verlander's replacing DeGrom with the Mets? Like, you can't write this stuff. You can't make this up. Like, I would have told you maybe months ago that the Mets would talk to Verlander, but they wouldn't land him because they'd be too worried to give up DeGrom or that I thought DeGrom might be leaving, but not to Texas. I thought maybe there's a chance he'd jump shit to go across the Dia. Hudson River to the Bronx or like that he would go play down south for a team he used to grow up watching like the Braves or maybe the Marlins if they were willing to pay but I don't think the Marlins are because they're set on arms I know Tampa was in the mix a little bit but Justin Verlander I thought he was either going to stay in Houston for the rest of his career just opt into that deal and retire after next year or he would go play with the Dodgers or maybe make a run playing back home for his old team in Detroit there's a lot of money the Mets just handed out I know everyone's like oh Steve Cohen spends the most money this that this that Rodon's next uh they're gonna sign Josh too they're gonna sign Davidson Tyler Chris Bassett they have a super team you're not even gonna re-sign Brandon Nimmo it looks like at this point they're out on Judge it's pretty much confirmed now with that too they're out on Judge they're probably gonna look for a buy low to replace the uh center field gap but I think Martek should slot over nicely in center field. Then you go. You got to worry about who plays right field for the Mets going forward. Because it's not Mark Hanna. Mark Hanna doesn't have the arm to play right. And if you sign Benintendi, it's definitely not Andrew Benintendi because he's a left fielder. He doesn't play right field. I expect the Mets to be active for Brian Reynolds too because they do have the, pos- the prospect chips. I was talking about this on the last episode too. I think that Brian Reynolds is an intriguing piece that becomes available. Tons of years of control. And I've seen some mock trades, what they might look like. And I think the Mets probably are in the best position to do it. Because you have a third baseman right now in Eduardo Escobar, surprisingly. And I know people are going to be begging for Brett Beatty to play third or Mark Vientos. I don't think Brett Beatty's still necessarily ready. I think they rushed him up last year. He had that UCL tear in his thumb. That cost him the rest of the year. I think Mark Vientos might be a little fit to play a corner. I like the prospect of Ronnie Marusio. I like the idea of him. I don't know what he's going to be like, but you have two shortstop third basemen in the system for the Mets. Why not ship one of them off? If you could get Reynolds, it's going to cost you two of the three top prospects in Alvarez, Marusio, and Beatty. I do think the Mets would like to hold on to Alvarez, though, due to their 
question mark at catcher now. I don't think they'll be in the market for Wilson Contreras unless they do trade Alvarez, and I don't think they want to move on from Alvarez just because he was the number one prospect in baseball, and he's supposed to be the future of the New York Mets. I do see them moving on from Beatty just because they have a third baseman. You can McNeil's also versatile. He could play third, but he's not the greatest at it. Maybe, uh, no, Pete's a terrible defender. You wouldn't even want to move him off first. I, I don't even know. The Mets are just trying to piece it together, it seems like, at this point. Maybe the Mets will be in the market for another low-tier guy. Like, I have some other pretty low, not low-tier, but, like, mid-level guys available that the Mets could fill some gaps with. I think J.D. Martinez is a great fit for the Mets at the DH position. Uh, Josh Bell's still available if you want a, at least a solid defensive guy. If you want to be shooting for the stars here, like I said, uh, you go grab someone like a Benintendi. I guess that's the best really you could do at this point. Or you go make that Reynolds trade. You also have Joey Gallo available, who I know is horrible. Don't get me wrong. He's probably not the best fit in the world. But, hey, he's a good defensive right fielder. And if you're looking to move Marte in the center, maybe buy low on Joey Gallo. They're getting rid of the shift, so... You never know. Or you bring back another familiar face. And I don't think Cohen's opposed to this, and I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Michael Conforto. He just spent a year off rehabbing a shoulder injury. He had a, He's a former All-Star, former World Series hero for the Mets, or playoff hero. He had a big game in, uh, or a couple big games in the World Series. He had a multi-homer game in that 2015 series. Was a fan favorite until his last year as a Met, where he was struggling a lot and hitting under the Mendoza. I think Conforto would probably be a good fit for the clubhouse. A good buy low, but again, I don't think Steve Cohen's really going to buy low at this point. Adam Fraser now has recently become expendable from the Mariners because the Mariners just traded for Colton Wong. Might be in the market there, put him to second, and kick McNeil into the outfield. Because McNeil, again, he can play in a lot of positions. He can play the corners in the outfield, the corners in the infield, second base. I wouldn't be surprised if he played short either, Jeff McNeil. He probably could play first, too. The Mets do need some help with the bats and defensively. And I'd hate to see the Mets not do a move like that just because, you know, I want to see the Mets be good. People say I hate too much on them. I want to see a good Mets team. Do I want to laugh at their playoff failure? Of course. Of course. It's funny. And I think I get a lot of positive viewership from it, but I also get some negative hate from it. I think this is a good day for the Mets, though, just going out there and saying, you know what? We're going to replace something that we lost. Even if it is a 40-year-old that we might overpay and might regret down the road. I just don't know with the Mets. Their future is a little weird moving forward after this Verlander signing. Just because you think in two years from now, or a year, maybe a year from now, let's say it's going into 2024, you're thinking you don't win the World Series next year, let's say, because... Steve Cohen said, I'd deliver a World Series in three years. I don't think they're going to do it this year still just because the bats, they just have a bit of a hole in that lineup outside of – you don't know if Lindor is going to have a season like he did last year. That was Lindor's best year since probably 2017 or 2018. And he was someone that's been slightly declining every year, had a bad uh, COVID year, had a really, really horrible 2021 and then had a career year in 2022 where he looked like a superstar with both the glove and at the bat. Will we see that Lindor next year? I think so. But is there a chance he reverts back to the mean 
of his career? Yeah. Same thing with Edwin Diaz. He could revert back to the mean, and it won't be a very pleasant revert back to the mean when you're paying 20, I think it's 25 or 26 a year for a reliever. There's a lot of question marks, I think, elsewhere at the Mets, but this is a good step in the right direction to say. And it's also showing Cohen's committed to his fans and saying, hey, I know we lost to Grom. Here's Verlander. It would be nice if Verlander was 37 or 36, not 40, in my opinion. There's definitely going to be a lot of questions, but hey, fuck it. Max and Verlander. Fuck it. Whoa! We got some breaking news per Jeff Passan. Per Jeff Passan, this is something I called it. I called it. My number three free agent, Trey Turner, is now off the board. Trey Turner is in agreement to sign with the Philadelphia Phillies. He will be the shortstop moving forward. Wow! The NL East is just getting better and better. It's like a nuclear arms warfare. It's like the Cold War. The Phillies see that JV just got signed by the Mets. All right, word. We're going to go get our shortstop for the future. Wow! That just helps them a lot defensively. That gives them a great contact and overall bat. Great speed. The former Nationals coming back into division and is going to make a lot of teams shit their pants. Now that means the Braves have to go back out and sign Swanson if you want to have an elite shortstop. There's a lot of elite shortstops now in this division. Or middle infielders, I should say. You got the Marlins have Jazz Chisholm, all-star starter before he got hurt. You got Francisco Lindor, who I just kind of maybe talked about negatively, maybe shed some positive light on Lindor. Again, I'm not a big Lindor guy anyways, just personally, but I do respect his game. I do think he's a great defender, great player when he's right. And now you got Trey Turner. Like, this is a pretty damn good division, it looks like. Looks like there's going to be three teams competing for that wild card or that spot. Three teams coming out of this division. Trey Turner is a Philly, and I think me being on that early, okay, even bigger. New source from Kylie McDaniel. That's a dude. Baseball insider, former, formerly of Fangraphs and four MLB teams. He's reporting that Trey Turner is getting 11 years? 11 years, $300 million with full no trade. Wow. $27.2 per year? Damn, that's a good deal. I, I had something close, actually. I was pretty close to that. Because my number was 31.1. I had nine years, 280, with opt-outs after five and seven and no trade clause. I think I mentioned that earlier a couple of podcasts ago. Damn. Damn, that's a lot of money. 11 years. Dave Dombrowski is... Unbelievable. That's a that's a big move for the Philadelphia Phillies, and it shows that they're not gonna just sit on sit there with their hands crossed and you know let the Mets grab everyone or let the the uh, oh, I almost said Athletics again. Let the Braves get everyone or let like the Marlins 
make a huge splash and then just sit there and do nothing while the rest of the league is taking the next step. They took the next step, the Phillies, and they addressed the need. They needed a shortstop moving forward. I mean, they had some exciting guys playing the middle infield this year, or some young prospects really show some show some stuff. I forget the kid's name that played short for them. It wasn't Bohm. It was someone else. They called up someone else, and he was pretty nice there. But now you have Trey Turner, who I think is it's a hot take for me, but that's the best shortstop in baseball. All-around game, but 11 years. Confirmed now by Ken Rosenthal, 11 years, $300 million. Full no trade. I actually kind of had a heart attack there because I thought that was the judge announcement. Wow. I, I like that move a lot from the Phillies. I think so. Wow, we're turning into a talking Trey Turner episode now. Trey Turner and Verlander. Wow. We're, I'm going to step away for two seconds. I'm going to be stepping away for two seconds real quick. I'll be right back. Um, there will be a little bit of a pause here, but it will be real quick, I promise. Okay, we're back. I just had to put some content up on the Instagram. I'm also going to be putting that on TikTok later. Uh, we just made a TikTok recently too. If you want to go follow it at Nick's World of Sports, go ahead. I'm not going to be posting too much on it. Maybe like some clips here and there, especially once we start getting the face recording down and we do the uh, the cameras and stuff. That's probably when I'll start putting more TikTok clips up and stuff on YouTube. All that stuff. I keep saying all that stuff. I got to stop being repetitive. God damn it, Nick. But anyways, I guess I'll wrap up on Verlander before we get right back into Turner. Astros, I didn't. I said I'd talk a little bit about the Astros losing Verlander. And I'll touch on it really quick just because there's not much really to talk about the Astros. Fuck them. Um, it's a big loss because now you're going to have to rely on Framber Valdez and his sticky stuff. I'm only saying that too because those guys always clown Cole for sticky stuff. But, I mean, Cole's still dominant without it. I don't know if Framber Valdez is because he really needed it this postseason, it seemed like. So they're going, to have, they're going to have to rely on Valdez, Javier, who I think is going to be a very, very good pitcher for the for years to come. And then, I don't know, Lance McCullers, Jose Urquidy, like some bums outside of that. Oh, I shouldn't say bums, like mid. I don't know. I don't know. But the Trey Turner deal just got announced. It's very crazy. Uh, now the top shortstop remaining on my board is Carlos Correa of the Twins. The Dodgers, Padres, Giants, and Cubs now are seen as favorites per Jack Rose on Twitter. Uh, and Jack Rose, I think, is a pretty reliable source. He's not verified. Verified as an official. But he's a Cubs department specialist, and he's a beat reporter for MLN, which is a baseball media outlet. And I, I get a lot of good news from Jack Rose. I... He had Trey Turner to the uh, Phillies as well early on, or he kind of called that. But, again, there's a lot of free agents left. That's the first really big report that came out. First really big position player. That's first domino has fell. I thought the judge one would be the first domino to fall. But the Phillies, like I was mentioning earlier, 
that's a great pickup at the shortstop position. You're getting not just a clubhouse leader, but you're getting someone who's had winning experience, has won a World Series, and has played in L.A. the last year and a half for a team that was competing for a title. The Dodgers, that locker room must really suck, or it must really suck to play there because every single guy like that, like a Trey Turner or like, I don't know, Max Scherzer even, they didn't want to stay in L.A. They said, fuck that, I'm out. And even like JV not going there is a bit of a sign. I'm I'm just speechless. There's no other way to put it. I was just about to get into who's remaining and talk about how is Judge and Turner. So I think that's a good – I had a good prediction there. I was right on that one. Let's go. I think I've only been right about a few so far. I was right about Arnado opting in. I was correct with Rizzo. I almost got the Rizzo one down to the exact dollar. Because I had the Rizzo one at three years, 55. But the actual was three years, 51. I was right about Diaz, but I had the money wrong. I was right about Chris Sale. I was wrong about Abreu. I was wrong about Jack Peterson. I was close on Tyler Anderson. I had the dollar amount right, but I had the wrong amount of years in the wrong L.A. team. I was way off on Clevenger. Bauer I was right about. I kind of lightly mentioned Bauer in mine. I said Bauer was going to be suspended and to come back in 2023 to hear about free agent stuff. That's really it. I was wrong about Verlander, too. I got the team right for Trey, and I was almost I was close on the dollar amount. I said 31 per. He's getting 27 per. That's a great deal per year-wise. 11 years is a lot, though. That's a lot of years, and Trey Turner is how old? Age 30 to 40. It's going to cover until he's 40. 27 per year for someone. He's got to be. There's got to be an opt-out or something. So he's 29, right? Trey Turner, 29? Can we get a fact check on that? Uh, he's 29 years old. He's going to be 30 in June. Yeah, June 30th. He'll be 30 years old. I mean, great player. Career 300 hitter. And he's one of the fastest men to ever play the game. With a great glove. Again, I think he's better than Bogarts, Lindor, Correa, Jeremy Pena, um, any prospect currently in the minors that's a shortstop, like the Yankees guys. I thought Trey Turner had a chance to be a Yankee, and I know the Yankees talked to him in Correa. And I knew the Mets weren't going to talk to a shortstop, obviously, because they got their guy in Lindor. I'm just surprised right now that the Yankees haven't announced Judge. I've been on edge recently with Aaron Judge because I'm like, oh, shit, where is this guy going to go? Is he going to be a Dodger? Is he going to be a Giant? Or is he going to come home and be a Yankee? I want Judge to stay in pinstripes. A lot of people probably want him to stay in pinstripes. The Yankees team, like guys like John Carlos Stanton and Anthony Rizzo, have been asking the front office, what's going on with Judge? Now, there was believed to have been an offer made by the Dodgers exceeding 300 million the yankees offer was anywhere from 280 to 300 which is 37 per 
and it's around eight years, I believe. If it goes to nine, I think the Yankees will bump to nine. And I do think the per year is not the problem. It's the amount a year. A little concerning. I just wish that my Yankees get something done with him, with Rodon, and then we figure it out. I think some teams that are still going to be very active this free agency, I think the Cubs are going to definitely land one of the shortstops. That's a bold prediction now that I'm saying that because now that Turner's off the board and he's a Philly. No Correa there. Xander. I think now it's between Correa and Xander to be the next shortstop for the Dodgers. I don't think Dansby's going to want to play in L.A. I think Dansby's going to go play for either Chicago or he's going to play for the Braves next year. Xander doesn't want to switch positions, so he's going to be the shortstop moving forward for a team. Correa, either like out of all the shortstops that are available this year, none of them should be really switched off the position. I thought maybe Trey Turner is the one that you could maybe say, okay, let's have Trey Turner play second base if we had a stud already at shortstop. But oh, oh, okay, Heyman. Another report per John Heyman. The deal for Turner has no opt-outs. No opt-outs, but it's great for him as he's on the East Coast in Philly. His wife is from New Jersey and was spring in Florida, and he's from Lake Worth, Florida. I knew Trey Turner was a Florida guy, and he also went to NC State. Adam, drink Um. Yeah, but Trey Turner, special talent. I didn't think we would hear that fast about Trey Turner. No pun intended. But it's a great surprise, man. The winter meetings are full of stuff, crazy stuff. This is just like the trade deadline. We're here announcing crazy stuff live. Like, I remember during the trade deadline, I was down in the studio just sitting here, recording multiple episodes at a time, just you know, watching the live meetings and looking at watching MLB. I had MLB Network on because there's a lot of TVs down here in the studio. I had one up where I had MLB Network. I had ESPN on another one. I had Fox Sports on another. Uh, I had another sports network on too. I had one co- with a different channel that wasn't baseball, but it was covering just all new sports news. Might have had M- NBA Network on. No, I didn't. I didn't. No, I had NBA Network on. So I was listening to stuff about the NBA because their free agency was going on then too. So I was just looking at all this stuff. I just remember being down here. Frankie Montes got announced. Trey Mancini got announced when I was live. Or recording, I should say. It's kind of cool to know that uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens as you're recording. This is something I'm getting used to as a reporter, as a, you know, a sports personality, sports journalist, sports whatever you want to call me, just a dude in some basement or some studio talking about sports. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life anyways. So, I mean, I got to get used to it. This is fun. That was fun to see that. That was a big deal that got dropped too. It wasn't, wasn't no little kid's deal. For the Phillies, you now have a core of Schwarber, Harper, Turner, Castellanos, Real Muto, Hoskins, and you have Nola and Wheeler. 
and they have some studs in the bullpen like Sir Anthony Dominguez. Tell me that team's not competing with anyone in baseball right now. That team is up there with every other team in baseball. That's competitive with the Mets. That's competitive with the Braves. That's competitive if the Yankees bring back Judge. That's competitive with the Yankees. That's competitive with the Astros, the Mariners, everyone. That team is a top team in baseball right now, just by the on paper. Because you have a former MVP, two-time MVP in Harper, Trey Turner, who's been multiple high finishes in MVP voting. Kyle Schwarber just had an awesome year, and if it wasn't for Aaron Judge, would have probably had one of the best power-hitting seasons this year. Probably was the best power-hitter in baseball outside of Judge. Nick Castellanos, not much really to be said there. I just say that name. You got JT Real Muto, the best catcher in baseball. Reese Hoskins came into his own at first base this year. You have Brandon Marsh patrolling center field for another year. If you can bring back Thor on a nice deal, or you go grab a J-Mo Tyone or a Chris Bassett, this, or even a reliever like a Tommy Canley, or bring back David Robinson, this team's set. This team is set. I really like it. I don't really understand why people don't think this team's going to be good. Another uh, breaking thing, as of an hour ago, the Orioles are really in on Jamison Tyone. It seems like that's their guy. Man, Trey, getting 11 might, might fuck a lot of things up now. Because, damn it, is someone going to give Judge 10 years now? The Giant? That's a good question. Uh, I might leave that as my poll for today. Will Aaron Judge get more than eight years now that Trey Turner signed for 11? I think no still. I don't think it's realistic that Judge will get 10. I don't think anyone in their right mind will give him 10. I can see maybe team options or player options to play in 10 years. Or some type of mutual option for a 10th or a 9th year. But I think 8 is probably the most teams want to pay. 9 if it gets desperate. Like a Yankees end, you're going to pay 9 if it's desperate. I don't know. So there's one more thing I'm going to mention about baseball. We're going to kind of wrap it up here. Uh, The NL East has done a lot over the last two seasons in free agency. The Braves have extended a ton of young talent and traded for Matt Olson. The Mets have signed Scherzer and Verlander. The Phillies have gotten Turner and Schwarber. The Phillies, the Marlins, extended the second best pitcher in baseball for cheap in Sandy Alcantara. The Nationals signed Cesar Hernandez. (laughs) I mean, that NL East is a pretty damn good division. I'm excited to see who comes out of it. I mean, I can't even make a pick for who comes out of it now because two of the deals that just happened happened within hours of each other. I'm going to need some time to sit down and process it. I might set even a parlay on the division winners this year. I won my uh, prediction contest this year at my, uh, my job at the Smithtown Running Company. I won the predictions, even with getting the World Series wrong. I had every division winner besides one correct, I believe. Pretty impressive, right, guys? Right? Right? 
I think I'll do pretty good. I usually do well with silly predictions like that. I think I do, but at the end of the day, the NL East is now stacked. We're waiting on more news from the AL East and the rest of the league. I think we're going to see some other top guys. I think, oh, another big bombshell. Per Jack Rose and some other sources, the Yankees are heavily linked to Carlos Rodon. They seem like the favorites at this time. That's big. Rodon in that rotation is very big. I like that. I like that a lot. If the Yankees get Rodon, he'd fit perfectly in that rotation. We just need to see the Yankees get aggressive, bring Judge in, or bring Judge back into the building on a very nice deal and captaincy. They need Carlos Rodon, and they need a... uh, I mean, if you could go get J-Mo Tyone for cheap, I'd like J-Mo back. I love Jamison Tyone. I'm a huge, huge Jamison Tyone fan. For some reason, I don't. I never understood the hate behind him from Yankees fans. I just love him, and we got him on a nice contract trade. Not contract, a nice trade a couple years ago. He's a great story. He's had some. He had a little bit of a rough middle of the year this year, but he was very good. He pitched well out of the pen. I thought he should have started a playoff game even. He pitched well in his start, actually, in game one of the league championship series. Or game two, whatever it was. The one he pitched. He pitched well. And I think J-Mo pitched a lot of clutch games. He's a clutch pitcher. I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees got him back. But I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised to see him walk either just because Carlos Rodon is so much better. No offense to Jamison Tyone. But Carlos Rodon is a top pitcher in baseball. There's a reason he's my top pitcher left. I'd like to see the Yankees also go out there, make a trade for Reynolds, or bring back a Benintendi, or get a buy low, like a, uh, I'm trying to see another, not Joey Gallo, obviously, but maybe a Conforto, a bit, a little bit more riskier. I'd like to see them bring back the Carp for cheap, but he can't play the outfield. I have a lot of faith in the Yankees outfield in the future. I don't think they should break the bank on Benintendi, because if you have Judge and Bader, you could play Oswaldo Cabrera and left. He's a good out. He's a capable outfielder. You could play. You have that kid Pereira in the system who's supposed to be pretty good. Might be trade bait though. I really like Jason Dominguez too as the future in the outfield. I think Dominguez is going to be something special. I think they got some good pieces. I think they're going to trade a couple of guys. Maybe bring in a nice young outfielder too with trying to cut some salary. Even Aaron Hicks, although I want him off my team. Like, ASAP. I wanted him off my team since before this past year started. I think he could even be a capable left fielder. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see going forward what the move is for the Yankees. But right now it seems like Rodon, it's looking more and more as the hours go on. It looks more and more like he's a, uh, he's not going to be, it looks like he's going to be a Yankee. Jared Karabas just crossed off the Phillies on the Xander Bogarts list. Another source, the shorts, the Seattle Mariners are entering the shortstop mix. They're meeting, they have meetings planned today. They have one plan, planned with Turner, but they're meeting with others too. The Yankees also just officially re-signed Brian Cashman to a four-year contract through 2026. That's my last little bit of piece of news. I wanted Cashman gone personally, but four years is not terrible. 
if he could just get one more piece, I'd be fine. Hmm. I think that's it, right? Is that all we got time for, really? Oh, yeah, final thing we got to talk about. Um, I just forgot this. I just saw this now in my episode notes. We have some other stuff to cover at the end if I missed anything. But final thing we're going to talk about. I know I said we're going to wrap up. I'm sorry. This is one more thing I got to talk about. The MLB released their Hall of Fame ballots for those few pieces. Uh, I think it was like that veteran, new veterans committee or whatever. The contemporary era ballot for the Hall of Fame winners were announced, I think now two days ago. What day was that? The fourth? Today's the... No, it's the fifth. It was announced yesterday at 8 p.m. They announced out of the ballot that contained names of Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Albert Bell, Donnie Baseball, Fred McGriff, Dale Murphy, and Rafael Palmeiro about who would get into the Hall of Fame. I want to extend some congratulations to Fred McGriff, the crime dog. Sorry, I almost had a heart attack. I saw a Ken Rosenthal tweet. <laughs> but it was announced that the crime dog is now officially a Hall of Famer. I want to extend my congratulations to Fred McGriff. Well-deserved, definitely deserving of it. He got 100% of the vote out of the contemporary ballots. I, I, I think they did. They got partially right. They got it right. McGriff's definitely a Hall of Famer. But that was the only one that got in. Mattingly was the next closest with 50%. Then Schilling. Then it was like Bonds and Clemens had very low amounts. Dale Murphy barely got considered. It seemed like two. I'm upset with that. I'm heartbroken a bit by it. Don Mattingly is a Hall of Fame baseball player. You can't tell me that he's not. I get Fred McGriff being a Hall of Famer. He 100% is. Don Mattingly was a better player, in my opinion. I know the crime dog would hit 30 homers, 100 RBIs consistently. Don Mattingly was arguably the best first baseman in baseball in the 80s and a little bit into the 90s before the back injury really killed him. Don Mattingly was a no-doubt Hall of Famer until he got hurt. And even then, like he still had a, gr- a really solid career while he wound down. He was a great defender, an MVP, a batting title, some new, numerous records that he set or came close to in baseball, like single-game stuff, like consecutive games with a home run. He was the captain of the goddamn Yankees. He is 100% a Hall of Famer. I will die on this hill. Him and Bernie Williams, even Jorge Posada, I might throw into that conversation, are Hall of Famers. Fight me on it. And you know where to find me, too, if you want to fight me on it, but... Don Mattingly's a Hall of Famer. That really upset me. Kurt Schilling also is a Hall of Famer. There's some snowflakes on Twitter saying, you know, I have a problem with guys who bully their way in the Hall of Fame. He threatened the writers who were voting on the Hall of Fame ballot. This was written by someone. I put out a tweet underneath a thing that said, who should be a Hall of Famer? And I said, Schilling, Donnie Baseball, and the Crime Dog. And then someone, DisneyCast2008 on Twitter, some NPC, non-playable character for those who don't know what an NPC is, wrote back that anyone but Kurt, I can live with anyone but Kurt. 
and he didn't threaten the writers. Kurt Schilling's not in the Hall of Fame because of his because of stuff he said off the air, off of his baseball career, and about politics. He's a Republican. That might, and he's a heavy Republican. That might be a reason. But I got a newsflash for you guys. There's a lot of these guys that don't say shit like that and are some terrible human beings that are Hall of Famers. Look at Robert. Look at one of the Alomars. I think it might be Sam. I forget which one it is. He's still in the Hall of Fame, and he raped a bunch of girls. He'll always be a Hall of Famer. There's guys who cheated in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, Yvonne Rodriguez, Jeff Bagwell. I said Barry Bonds, excuse me. David Ortiz, Yvonne Rodriguez, Jeff Bagwell, Mike Piazza even's on the list of those guys. Like, what? Just because some guy said some mean things? It's like the whole thing with Trump got impeached twice. I get it. He said some mean things, and maybe he did get deserved to get impeached once. Maybe not. But you can't... you can't leave someone out because of politics. I, t- I said I'd never talk politics again. I'm not talking politics. I'm just saying a guy who's using his right of free speech should, just because he said some outlandish stuff doesn't mean he should be excluded from the greatest list of baseball players ever. Kurt Schilling had over 3,000 strikeouts in his career. He's one of 17 people ever to strike out 3,000 hitters. One of the best big game pitchers ever. How is he not in the goddamn Hall of Fame? It boggles my mind. Also one that boggles my mind a bit on this list is Dale Murphy. People are like, who the hell is Dale Murphy? He was a two-time MVP for the... He was on my list, too, of uh, guys that should be in the Hall of Fame. He's a two-time MVP when he played for Atlanta. Dale Murphy is a Hall of Famer. Him and Sal Bando are Hall of Famers, in my opinion. But besides that, I understand the Bonds and Clemens thing. They got very little votes. Very little. Very few in between also. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. I think the writers somehow still screwed it up. And there's always going to be people pissed. I'm not mad about Bonds and... uh, Clemens not getting in, even though I am a Clemens fanboy and I grew up idolizing Roger Clemens until the steroid stuff came out and all the other bad things, but I mean, if you're going to put some PED guys in there, why not let all of them in? But kind of put like a little asterisk next to it, like, you know, they're here, they represented their era as the best from their era, but they cheated their way here. It deserves some mention in the history of baseball in the Hall of Fame. All right, I think that's enough. We're at the 51-minute mark. I did not expect to get this far at all, especially with this. I'm really, really excited for the rest of the winter meetings to go down, and I might sit here for a little bit too if I need to record an outro. Um, I do think the Yankees will have a deal announced by the end of the day. I think Tyone will be announced at the end of the day. I think Rodon, because all these dominoes are starting to fall. I believe, too, we'll hear Judge. There's a prediction in Talking Yanks that I was listening to the other day. They said that Judge will sign for nine years, $328 million on December 7th. That was a prediction that they read on air from someone else. I could see it, but... 
I don't know. If that happens, that guy might be a time traveler, and I'm going to find out who they were and get the lottery numbers. I know my boy Jake might be able to help me out with that, but we'll see. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, tune in tomorrow on Tuesday. We will have a regularly scheduled football episode. I might bring in a guest for tomorrow, too. That would be some exciting stuff, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Bring in a guest. We'll have our first guest ever on this podcast. Uh, Again, website is going to be live January 1st. I'm also thinking about doing some merch potentially if enough people are interested in some merch. We're also going to be doing the live face cams starting after the holiday as well. I just had to do some Christmas shopping, and I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to losing some money this holiday. But it's all about investments, baby. It's all about investing and making this podcast even bigger. If you didn't check, too, I posted my Spotify rap stuff the other day. I really appreciate it. I'm going to go over some of the numbers real quick. It was pretty nice to see that I was for 20. I mean, it's a small podcast. It's not a a lot of numbers, but I'm just grateful for it. I was in the top five podcasts for 22 people, and I was in the top 10 podcasts for 33 people. That's awesome. Awesome to see. It's also to see that I had, I think it was, I was in a top 80 something percent of people in like time produced or amount of minutes per like, for the whole podcast that was there because for the rap it said 27 episodes and i was at 1.6 k minutes of podcasting and that's good to that's good i think that's a good number considering we started in july around the trade deadline and you know we just kind of slowly been producing episodes a lot were pumped out in those first few weeks and then when i went to school for a little bit kind of dissipated now that i'm done i'm gonna be working a lot of freelancing and starting some full-time stuff at, in the beginning of the new year it's going to be nice. I'll invest a few hours a day into the podcast, some recordings, some live streams, all that stuff. I'm really excited to get this up off the ground. And I hope everyone here has really enjoyed. Make sure to share it with your friends and family and see if they can get on, the bo- on board with this, get on the wave. This is a different type of sports podcast. No agendas, no bullshit. Thank you for tuning in. This has been episode 30 of Nick's World of Sports. I'll catch you tomorrow with some football. And until then, I'll see you next time. Peace.